Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're going to continue in our series called Crazy, uh, going through a number of the crazy stories we can find throughout the Bible, all of which, by the way, point to Jesus, every single one of them. And uh, this one is simply called Donkey. Now, I know some of you are, are, are amazing Bible scholars, so you're already going there. Poor, uh, poor Doug Deller, our, our, our audio or our visual tech guy this morning, just comes up to me with this lost look on his face today, and he's like, Pastor Trav, what do you want me to do with the notes you sent me? Because it's just literally, it's three chapters of the Bible. That's it. Just three chapters. I typically highlight and leave them some clues. Today, though, he's just going to have to hang with me, but I know he can because he's Doug Deller. And he does not fail. That's right. Give Doug a hand. Have your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, and uh, we will we will go through. I I, I kind of thought, you know, I, I want to see who's at church before I really unload the whole message, and then I realized I can't see who's at church once I'm here. I can't see any of you. I know my mother is sitting here. I know Carlisle's sitting there, and I, you know, that's about that's about it. I see a hand. I see a cloud. I don't know what it is. Anyways. Uh, Numbers chapter 22, uh, let's pick it up in verse 1. Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. Because Israel straight up messed up the Amorites when they went through their territory. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites they were, they were terrified. Because there's nothing as scary as a whole bunch of Jewish people descending on you. That's what the Bible is saying for Moab. It's freaking them out. They're not Jew. Uh, I found out that one of my good friends might be Jewish, and I was so excited. Because my last Jewish friend was in Bible college. Well, I know, there's Rory. There's Rory, and he's my friend. So, okay, that's good. I'm, I'm, ca- I'm counting it. I'm counting it. Uh, but they were terrified because God was blessing everything they did. And everywhere they went, they were taking the land as God had told them to. Um, and so the king of Balak, the king of, of uh, Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Baor, who was living in his native land of Pethor, near the Euphrates River. His message said this, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. So this is a leader who lives in the seat of insecurity, just so you know. Because he's exaggerating like a teenage rock star. They cover the face of the earth. It's totally, like, literally, they're covering, like, everything. They're threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know, the bl- I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. Balak's messengers, who were elders of Moab and Midian, set out with money to pay Balaam and place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men visiting you? Now, just let me pause here for a moment, because whenever God asks a question, whenever Jesus asks a question in the Bible, it is rhetorical in nature, because he already knows the answer. Okay? So it's important for us to always remember that, that there is something that God is trying to say to us through his word, 
Oh, thank you for turning that alarm off. It's so weird right now. Um, there's always something God is trying to say to us when he asks a question. Like you do as parents, like I do as a parent. Like, son, I'm not going to say which one. His name starts with a J. Did you pick up your socks? I already know the answer. The answer is no. He did not pick up his socks. But in my mercy and kindness towards him, my compassion, my never-ending, unfailing love for my son, I ask him to give him the opportunity to do the right thing. Now, God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men visiting you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people. So he repeats the message to God. But God told Balaam, verse 12, God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are, to not to curse, you are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. And everybody in Israel says, thank goodness, as Janice shared this morning, thank you that I am part of the firstborn. I am part of the elect. I am adopted into the nation, the family of God. Um, <laughs> so don't, you're not to curse because they've been blessed. The verse 13, the next morning Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. And that's about as close to Nufi as we're going to get today. He says, uh, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. He just won't. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. Because when we're insecure, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again with more. Right? They went to Balaam and delivered the message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. Nobody really wants that friend. Right? Like nobody wants King Balak to be their friend because it's like, what are you going to be doing this weekend, Ed? And Ed doesn't want to answer me because I'm that guy that's going to be like, Ed, would you just come and curse my neighbors? Would you, would you just come and, and, and help me get rid of these people I don't like? This was Balak, son of Zipporah, a king, a ruler. But Balaam responded to Balak's message. Even if Balak were able to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night. See, Balaam is a little confused. And I want you to pay attention to this because I'm going to, here's the spoiler. Years later, after all this goes down, Balaam is killed by the Reubenites, who is a tribe of Israel. And the reason he was killed is because he was one who practiced witchcraft. And I want you to see, because sometimes when I grew up in, in Sunday school, and so sometimes maybe you have the same uh, appearance of a revelation about who this Balaam character is, and we kind of feel like he's the hero of the story, but he's actually not. And you begin to see the flaw in character early on, right? He said, listen, there is nothing you can say or do to make me curse God's people. I just won't do it, but stay here one more night. We'll see if something changes. I have a feeling that Balaam was probably getting to keep the gifts they brought, probably getting to keep the money they brought. You know, they were probably coming with 
with, uh, with their own uh, lamb and their own meat and their own gifts and all these things. And so he, I, think, I think, and this is just me, this isn't doctrine, this isn't great theology. I just think that, that Balaam, because of his profession, was, was practicing divination. Be- because of his profession, I think, I think he lived with one foot on either side of the line. That was Balaam. One foot on either side of the line. So verse 19, he said, stay here one more night. I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But do only what I tell you to do. If we left the story there, we would not understand the full failure of this man's character. And maybe your and my character. Yours and my character. So the next morning, Balaam got up, he saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. Now just, what did we just read a second ago? What did God say? God said, go with them. But don't say anything. Only do what I tell you to do. So, you, so we get a little confused, right? Well, God, you said, didn't you say to Confused, God? Did you say to go or did you say to stay? See, you got to understand, God has already spoken. Did, did we catch that in the first few verses? God has already said, You will not curse these people. And Balaam is kind of one foot on either side of the line looking over his shoulder. God, they're offering a lot of money. God was angry that Balaam was going, and so he sent the angel, everyone say, the angel of the Lord. Anytime in the Old Testament you see the angel of the Lord, you should pay attention. Not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. To stand in the road and block his way. As Balaam and his two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted, off the road and ran into a field. But Balaam beat it and turned it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey again saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by, and in doing so, it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. But then the Lord, everyone say, then the Lord. See, because we do our thing, right? We talk to God, he tells us, we kind of, one foot on each side of the line, decide we're going to maybe try to do it anyways, And it brings us to the same place inevitably every single time where we would have this line in the story of our life. But then the Lord. But then the Lord opened, sorry, but then the Lord, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Wow. And the donkey said, Fred, what have I done to you? That deserves you to beat me these three times. The donkey asked Balaam. Donkey, you've made me look like a fool. 
I had a sword with me, I'd kill you. Well, that was a little off. <laughs> and the donkey says, and I'm a horrible Eddie Murphy. I'm terrible Eddie Murphy. I know I am. But I'm the same donkey you were in all your life. <laughs> the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this to you before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. And he said, I'm sorry, donkey. You know, the story is crazy enough, it, it could very well be a fairy tale. But if you remember in the text we've read so far, who else is along on this trip? His two servants are seeing this. And I don't know if you've ever had a boss. I worked for a guy like this one time where there was a bit of temper and you just stand aside with your coworker and say, wow, it's got ba it got bad today. This was a bad day. Watching someone melt down, lose their mind. I know it's never happened to me and it probably has never happened to you. Ever. And then the angel, verse 32, the angel of the Lord. Remember, the angel of the Lord is important because it's likely a Christophany, Jesus. Why did you beat your donkey these three times? And again, anytime God asks a question in the Bible, we always got to remember he knows the answer. Why did you beat your donkey these three times? Son, why didn't you pick up your socks these three times? I was talking about the other son, and now it's on. The angel of the Lord demanded of him, why did you beat your donkey these three times? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Now, I want, you, I want Generations Church, I want you to understand what I'm saying to you this morning. This is Christophany. This is the angel of the Lord. So Jesus is speaking to a man who both tries to serve God but also practices divination at the same time. He's got one foot on either side of the life. Part of his life is yielded to God. Part of his life is for Israel. But the other part of his life is for making money off of future, telling the future. And it's interesting to me that the angel of the Lord asks the question, or asks the question to set up this statement, I've come to block you because you are stubbornly resisting me. You know, the next time that your spouse, or maybe one of your children, or a close friend bolts into the field, crushes your foot against the wall, and finally just lays down and won't move with you anymore, maybe... Maybe it's because there is stubbornness in our heart and we are resisting what God wants for us. People who are faithful are faithful in your life. And I just want to lay this challenge. This is, a, this is free. This is, this is the rabbit trail right now. But I just want to say to you that, that when you have faithful people in your life, when you have healthy relationship in your life, 
and they crush your foot against the wall, they lay down on you, or they run into a field instead of going where you think everybody should go. Maybe they're sparing you. Maybe they're doing right by you. You might, you might say, well, I, I don't know. How, to, how do I tell? Well, the way you first tell if you need friends like that in your life is which side of the line are your feet on? Because when we walk across the line, when we walk straddling the line between serving God and not serving God, that's where we need those people in our lives. When your feet are both on the right side, when your feet are in the path of the righteous, as the scripture says, you're not going to find donkeys crushing your feet against walls. You're not going to find your friends laying down on you or bolting into the field. Just work it in with the rest of the word today. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. I'm not mistaken. This is the angel of the Lord. Well, Jesus didn't kill anyone. Let me just point out to you the whole reason Jesus came was to kill you. He came so that your old nature could be crucified with him and that you could receive his nature in its place. Anybody who preaches less than that to you has missed a good part of the gospel. So it's not a bad thing. But just remember, everything we see in the Old Testament parallels and shows us something in the New Testament. This, this word, these words in the Old Testament have not passed away. They have simply become fulfilled and are being fulfilled. And they're being lived out and realized in the lives of believers all over the earth in the kingdom of God right now. Man, I'm so grateful for the moments that Jesus, the angel of the Lord, has put things to death in my life. And I think you are too. Why would the angel of the Lord spare the donkey, by the way? Because even though Shrek, the movie, tells us that donkeys have personality and soul, the truth is, as far as we can tell, donkeys don't have a soul. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord. This is why it's another parallel to Jesus. Because we have one confessor. It's Jesus. And Balaam confessed his sin to the angel of the Lord. I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. And this is what's interesting to me is Balaam is still missing the point here. He's saying, I have sinned. I, realize, I didn't realize that you were standing in the road to block my path. Have you ever found yourself in this place when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin in your life? Did we kind of get to the point of, of, okay, now we're about to be in trouble, and, and our kids do this, and I did this as a child too, I'm certain. I might even still do this as an adult if my wife would be kind enough to point it out, most certainly in a private setting. Um, <laughs> but where we get caught, and suddenly we're sorry about getting caught? What, what is, what's Balaam's sin issue? The sin issue was that he asked God, God spoke, and that was the end of it, but he persisted. Stay another night, guys. We'll just see what God says. Right? But God spoke clearly the first time. You're not going to speak evil. You're not going to curse my people. They're blessed. 
So he doesn't understand the sin issue. And we're going to get to the end of the story today. And, and I love how everything in the old points to the new. I love the fact that the image of Jesus stands in front of the man. And the man finds a way around Jesus. So Jesus stands in a narrower place in front of the man. And yet the man tries to get by and bruises himself in the process. Finally, Jesus stands in the place in your life and my life where there is no way around him. I'm telling you, the gospel is sown through every word in the scriptures. Every word is filled with gospel and truth. I'll return home if you're really against my going. This guy's still for God. Man, if I was God, I would afflict this guy right off the planet already. I have no patience for I don't even have patience for socks. Man, I'm so not God. Because Balaam still doesn't get the point, if we pick it up in verse 36, but the angel of the Lord tells Balaam, go with them, but only say what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on the way, he went out to meet him at a Moabite town on the Arnon River at the farthest border of his land. Didn't I send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away, Balak asked Balaam. Didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? Balaam replied, look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kirith Huzah, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. You see, once again, Balaam is along for the ride, and he is reaping the benefits, the transaction, the remuneration. He's taking payment, food, drink. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. And from there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. Now, it's really important that you remember this part of this story. At this point, Balaam is up on a high mountain or ridgetop, and he looks down, and what does the Bible say? He can see some of Israel spread out below him. Then the king, then Balak, sorry, then Balaam said to King Balak, build me seven altars and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. So Balak follows the instructions, and the two of them sacrificed the young bulls and the ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offerings, and I'll go see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam goes up off by himself on the top of a mountain. And he starts talking to God. And God says a message for King Balak. And in verse 6, chapter 23, verse 6, this is a message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. And this was the message that Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. 
I kind of feel like Balaam is starting to get it at that point. Maybe. He's at least now choosing which side he should really be on, right? Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you here to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them. Yeah, that's what God does. God, God doesn't need to curse people, just so you know. Because the reality of the law and what it teaches us is that we're cursed when we sin. And that's enough. What I mean by that, it was enough for God to say, I need to send Jesus to take the curse for everyone. Balaam, of course, is not satisfying King Balak. So, so then, and this is the way humanity works, in verse 13, then King Balak told him, come with me to another place, and there you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not, uh, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. Just don't curse them all. You don't have to curse the whole thing. You don't even have to curse this bunch we just looked at. But let me take you and show you a few other ones over here. Maybe you can curse those. And I, I, I feel bad for Balak because he's a pagan. He doesn't get it. But Balaam, for some reason, goes along. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Same thing again. You know, I think it was Albert Einstein who said, insanity is defined by doing the same things over and over again and, and expecting a different result. Balaam said to the king, stand here by your burnt offerings. I will go over and meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. And this was the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of support. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has, ever has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune in, is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them he is as strong as a wild ox. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob, what wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like lioness, like a majestic lion rousing itself. They refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey, drinking the blood of the slaughter. God has blessed them, and there's no going back. Can I just tell you, God has blessed you and I, and there's no going back. Then Balak said to Balaam, fine. But if you won't curse them, at least don't bless them. And at this point, I'm like, stupid humans. You just don't get it. It's too late. God already blessed them. It's too late. God already blessed you. Man, the moment we enter the kingdom of God by accepting the work of Jesus on the cross and allowing him to become the Lord, the Savior, the director of our steps, we're already blessed. Beyond the curse. Past the curse. 
past the reaches of what the curse of sin can do to us. <laughs> if you won't curse them, at least, at least don't bless them. But Balaam replied to, replied to Balak, didn't I tell you that I can only do what the Lord tells me? Balaam's third message. Verse 27, then King Balak said to Balaam, come, oh, and I will take you to one more place. Really? Again, still, we're doing this? Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. Now, this is how the devil works, just so you know. He, he doesn't, I remember as a teenager, we used to have a Christian bookstore. Uh, I think it was called the Inspirational Bookstore. And it was truly inspirational for its time. Because you could go and listen to all the hot new Christian albums on cassette on the wall. Now, some of you don't even know what cassette is, so don't worry about that. You're young and whatever. <laughs> but I remember that they had they had posters too, because there was a time when posters were really cool. And I remember there was one I saw. It got really popular in the '80s, but it said, um, uh, "Opportunity knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell." You probably heard that before. This is what Balak is doing. He, he's, he's given the opportunity, but now he's just leaning on the doorbell. And by the way, it's what the enemy of our souls does too. He, he, he tries once, twice, thrice. He tries and tries and tries again. And for as long as we walk in this earthly flesh, we're going we're gonna to have to deal with the presence of sin. We're going to deal with the presence of sickness too. But I, it just, it drives me nuts. One more time, I'm going to try. One last time. Come, I'll take you to one more place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. And that's pretty clear to me that it's not going to be pleasing to God to curse Israel at this point in time. So Balak takes Balaam to the top of Mount Peor, overlooking the wasteland. And Balaam again told Balak, build me seven altars of the fair, seven young bulls, and seven rams for me to sacrifice. So Balak did as Balaam ordered and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Third time's the charm, right? Nope, not in this story. Chapter 24, verse 1, the best part of the story. By now, Balaam realized that the Lord was determined to bless Israel. Yeah, I'm with you, Melina. I find this hysterically hilarious. We've read through two whole chapters of the Bible, and two whole chapters is not a half hour in Bible times. Two whole chapters is probably several weeks because you had to ride a donkey everywhere. This is an old story at this point, is it not? But finally, after two full chapters, we begin the third and final chapter of the story of Balaam and his now never again mentioned donkey to realize that the Lord is determined to bless Israel but this is what's amazing to me. He realized the Lord was determined to bless Israel, so he did not resort to divination as before. About time. Do you know you and I often try to approach God from our old nature? We, we do. And I don't, I don't believe that any one of us in this room is like, you know, I, I, used, to, I used to practice witchcraft, so that's the way I'm going to try to worship God. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's that literal 
But I think we do often try to bring sacrifices to God in church, in praise, in worship, even in our giving financially from our old nature. And can I just tell you that anytime we're bringing something to God from our old nature, we're walking on the wrong side of the line. Because our old nature is supposed to be put to death daily. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this in a condemning way because I believe it's one of our struggles as humans. I, I think until we see Jesus as he really is on that day when we're with him for eternity in heaven, I think we're going to have to battle this one out. Jesus said you got to work out your, uh, your uh, well, Jesus, I think, said you're going to work out your salvation through fear and trembling. It gets work to follow Jesus. It's work. And it's hard not to slip back into the old nature to offer the things we want to offer. But every time we do, we're processing everything he has said to us through our old nature, not through the spirit of God that lives in us. And so when Balaam realized the Lord was determined, he did not resort to witchcraft to try to talk to God. But I want to be clear in this. It is very easy for a believer, someone who wants to follow Jesus, to do things to please God that are in fact not pleasing to God at all. It can happen. That's why you need a good donkey in your life. Who will bolt into a field, who will crush your foot against a wall, and finally who will just lay down in the middle of the road on you. Because good friends, faithful friends, will help protect your character and will help to protect your walk with God. Now, I know this is coming from, like, all over the place, but, I mean, give me a break. It's three whole chapters we're going through, and we're going to be done in five minutes. <laughs> Just, you, you got to stick with me for this part, because here is the reality and the power of the gospel. Balaam realized the Lord was determined. Can you realize this morning that the Lord is determined to bless you? The Lord is determined to bless your children. The Lord is determined to bless your spouse. Even though they could have possibly been responsible for a number of things unfolding this morning. The Lord is determined to bless your household, your family line. The Lord is determined. And if anyone is determined, if anyone possesses determination, I believe it's got to be him. This is beautiful to me. Instead, he, he didn't practice divination finally, which may have been, by the way, throwing bones or slicing the neck on a chicken. I, I, I don't really know. There's all kinds of pagan ways to practice divination, uh, throwing dice, having special rocks. I, there's all kinds of things. So instead of divination, this is what the Bible says, verse 24, verse 1. Instead, he turned and looked out toward the wilderness, verse 2, where he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. You with me still? He saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. And when he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe, what happened? Something amazing. Then, everyone say then. Then the Spirit of God came upon him. Now here's the part that nobody else has probably ever pointed out to you in this story. How did the people of Israel set up camp when they set up camp tribe by tribe? 
they set up their camp in the shape of the cross. There it is. I was so excited about this whole message just to bring it to that point. But don't you see the hand of God? It is not just a bunch of books written by a bunch of people. It is a woven together love letter from our creator that brings all things to one common reality, and that is the cross of Jesus. When Balaam finally realized God was determined to love and to bless the people that he had called and chosen to be his own, he looked out and saw what was going on. And when he looked at the people, when he saw how the nation of Israel was camped and how they were set up, they were set up in the, in the shape of the cross of Jesus. And then the Spirit of God fell upon him. And you know what? For each one of us, the gospel works the same way. Jesus stands in the road, and we might skirt by, so he stands in the road again. And we skirt by and bruise our ankle. But then he stands in a place where you and I cannot get around him. And every one of us on this earth will come to this place at some point in time in our existence with Jesus where there's no way around him. There are many, many different ways to get to Jesus. But he's the only way to get to the Father. And in that moment that we realize we can't get around Jesus, so we confess, as Balaam did to the angel of the Lord, we confess our sin to Jesus. It is then that we begin to have the ability to receive his love and blessing in our life because we have finally yielded our will. Once we have met Jesus, once we have bent or submitted our will to him, we stop doing things the way that we used to do them. We don't try to please our former gods anymore. We just try to please the one who loves us. And when that happens, we begin to realize what salvation looks like. And once we realize what salvation looks like, and we can receive it and understand it and comprehend it, that's the moment of salvation and the Holy Spirit comes not just on us, as it did in the Old Testament, but in us. I'm not going to share with you the rest of Balaam's message. I hope that if you consider this story today, and I know I called it donkey, and the reason I called it donkey is you consider the story was because like the donkey carried Balaam, the donkey in this story carries the story of the gospel. The story of a man who walked in rebellion to God, who met the angel of the Lord, and who finally yielded and saw for the first time God's heart for his people. Maybe you and I can come to that place once again where we can meet with Jesus today. Maybe you've been bouncing around the trail. Maybe you've been wondering why your donkey bolts off the road, why your spouse resists you, 
when you want to go this way on Sunday morning instead of this way. Maybe you're a teenager sitting here this morning and you're just so frustrated because mom and dad just don't get it. They're so annoying and frustrating and they always have a high standard and oh, maybe your mom and dad are your donkey. And maybe you're the ogre. Just saying. Too far. Too far. And maybe you are the donkey this morning and there's someone in your life that you're just going, I can see the angel of the Lord. Trust me, we don't want to go there. We're going to take a moment right now. The worship team's going to come. We're going to sing one last song like we always do. And we do that just to give a moment for reflection. We're not trying to manipulate an emotion when we do this at the end of the service. I just want to be so clear on this. What we want to do, because life gets busy and we can leave this place and so quickly set aside what the Holy Spirit was speaking to our hearts just a few minutes ago. And, but but if, we can, if we can learn the discipline of just waiting on the Lord for a moment and letting Him speak and letting Him sow a word deeply into our heart in a moment where we're open, where we can worship, we begin to see it produce fruit. That's why we do this in this time. And so like we always do, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, a very important question. Each one of us can do this in our own space. But the question is, God, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? Because there are a lot of applications to this very messy message. Because you can be any one of the characters in this story. Maybe you're all of them at one time. But I wouldn't want you to come into this place and then leave again without knowing the simple reality, the simple truth that, that God loves you. That Jesus died for you so you could have a right relationship with God. And that even more than that, because that would just be the beginning of your story, he has given you a friend in the Holy Spirit who wants to live in your life, who wants to baptize you in his very presence, and wants you to receive power from on high to be a witness to the ends of the earth. To be filled with gifts and boldness. Father, I thank you for every person that has come to be in your presence today. And God, in this message, there are so many things uh, we can pull and we can take away. And, and Lord, my prayer is that every nuance of what your intent and desire in your heart is for us, that it would be felt individually. Holy Spirit, give us a clear picture of your heart today for us. And Lord, I just pray for each individual right now who is weighing the word in their heart. Lord, I pray that you would make it plain and clear to them. Speak to them, Father. We come against fear in the name of Jesus. It must bow and it must lead in the light of God's perfect love for us. Lord, give every person the ability and the courage right now to do business with you for whatever it is you put on their heart. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.